You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Good morning. Let's read Deuteronomy 11. You must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness in his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to their horses and carriages, how how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them and they were not have not recovered to this very day. Your children did not see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Elibah and the descendants of the Rubatites. When the earth opened its mouth, the Israelite camp and swallowed them along with their households and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all these might deeds with your own eyes. Amen. Let's give them a great big hand. Thank you, friends, for speaking the word for us today. They are awesome. It takes some guts to come in front of you guys. You're kind of scary. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're a good-looking group. But um, Grace Kids, we are big on memorizing scripture. How many of you have had a uh, memory verse card hanging around your house or on the floorboard of your car? They're everywhere, right? But they're good things. Well, hi, my name is Trish. I get to be the kids pastor here, and we're going to have fun today. Everybody say fun. fun. All right, so we're talking today about culture. And I want to see what you think culture is. So this is interactive. You yell out what comes to your mind when you think of culture. Ready, set, go. You can't mumble. Surroundings. Surroundings. What surrounds you? Yeah. Behaviors. Good. Traditions. Food. Music. Values. Perspectives. We're going to talk about that this morning. Differences. Yeah. Insular similarities. Yeah, I heard that. Awesome. Well, I want to tell you a little story about my mama. So my mama, she is only 47, um, and she is a little reluctant to technology. So much so that she had a favorite phone, and we were trying to convince her, Mom, you have got to get a smartphone. Hello. Come on. Join join the 21st century here. And she's like, no, I love my phone. I can't part with it. And I'll let you guess what it was. It was a flip phone. Raise your hand proudly if you had a flip phone. Flip phone owners in the house. Um, My very first phone was a pink, um, they called them razors. Anybody remember those? They were square, rectangle. That was my first one. I got it at 16. Shout out how old you were when you got your first cell phone. 27. 27. Whoa. All right. So we have some generations in the household, in the house today. Well, my mom, finally, we convinced her by buying her a phone anyways uh, <laughs> and buying it for Christmas and kind of forcing her to kind of at least check it out. She still had her flip phone just in case. 
But she, she started playing with it, and Christmas break, we all kind of sit around the house anyway, so we're kind of showing her some less patiently than others, kind of showing her how to work this thing, and she figured out some really cool things about it. There's video on there. <gasps> oh my goodness, I can see you! And you can do like crazy faces, like cat faces, and um, you can do all kinds of crazy things on this. So my mom, she got to learn something new from us. Now, joining the generations today, we get to learn from each other. So first, let's identify who these generations are. So I'm going to say a generation, and I want you to loudly, proudly, give me a wave, give me a hey, make some noise when your generation is called. So first, in the 1920s and 40s, we had the silent generation. Any silent generationers? I guess they're silent today. They're hand raising. I saw a few hand raising. Uh, we have 46 to 64, the boomers. Birth with baby boomers. Yeah. You guys are loud and proud wherever you go, aren't you? <laughs> then we have Generation Z, or Generation X in 65 to 83. Where are you at? Awesome. You're nice and loud too. That's awesome. And then Millennials, 84 to 98. Where's the Millennials? Awesome. Here we are. Here we are waving. And then, <laughs> we're not all lazy. Yes, breaking stereotypes already this morning. Um, and then we have the last generation, which I kind of maybe already gave it away, but what do you think it's called? It is, do you know? Generation Z, Gen Z. And that is 99 to present, 2015. Woohoo! Awesome, I see you, hear you. And then 2015 and on, they're still figuring out what to call them. <laughs> Caleb will be a part of that. Well, hey, let's take a look at Deuteronomy 11 where the kids so graciously read for us. Um, Deuteronomy 11, what we have here is we have multiple generations. And Moses gets the pleasure of leading these people and they are called the Israelites. Yeah, from a Gen Z year. Um, so the Israelites, and he gets a daunting task because he gets to lead them out of, the, out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land. So let me tell you a little bit of background to get you caught up to where we are in Deuteronomy 11. What had just happened is that they're wandering around in the desert. It's not Disney World. This is not resort land. This is the desert. So they have hit all kinds of obstacles. And um, the really cool thing, right, that we talk about in kids' church at VBSs is whew, the, red, the, the sea parted and they got to walk right through and then the water closed down in on the enemies and God's performed several miracles to set these Israelites free. He said, you are my chosen people, here's freedom. But it doesn't come without a cost. Because they have complained, because they have doubted, they find themselves wondering for years and years and years more than what they needed to. And in that, they have all kinds of generations, gener people that had seen, oh, we were slaves in Egypt. People who had seen that, oh my goodness, we're, we're getting set free. And they had seen all these miracles, all the plagues that had happened, how God had brought the freedom. And then we have these little guys. <laughs> and all they know is a bunch of desert in sand. They're like, what is this stuff? What's going on? 
And let me tell you where we're at. Moses had, has gotten from the mountain. He talked to God and he got the 10 commandments. And, and God tells him to go down quickly because your people are going crazy. They have forgotten who I am. They have forgotten all truth and whose they are. Because Moses goes down to the bottom of the mountain and he finds that the people there have created their own God. And this God is in the shape of a golden cow. And when I tell the kids that, they laugh. You didn't laugh. But th this, it seems so silly, this little golden cow, and they, yet they choose to worship it. It seems silly, but do you think that there are golden cows in our culture today? Yeah. You see, the Israelites aren't so different from us today. So let's take a look at it in um, verse 2. We see that the truth is unknown. Now, they have been submerged in Egyptian culture. They have been submerged in all these different things where there's so many different gods trying to get their attention. They didn't remember what truth was. Some of them had seen God move. A lot of them had it. And they had forgotten the truth. Like, I am one of God's people. So let's, let's relate that to today. I'm going to... I'm going to share with you some facts, and we don't just make them up, right? Like 76% of statistics are made up on the spot, right? Um, I grabbed my stats from uh, Barna Group. Has anybody ever heard of Barna? It's a researching group that um, gets their information from all across the nation. Look them up later. They're awesome. So for the first time today, atheism is seen um, twice as much as the general population. That means... They don't believe in anything. Seven out of 10 high school students have significant doubts about God and their faith, and they don't share it with you, and they don't share it with me. And here's our perception, right? What we can perceive to be the truth is students have lost their sight of God. I'm sure that Moses has said, man, you guys have lost your sight of God when I left you for two seconds, two seconds. How many moms and dads know the two-second rule? You leave your kid for two seconds and they've colored all over the house, on the walls, mustaches on their faces. I left you for two seconds. It can kind of seem like you've lost all sight of God. Didn't I teach you anything? But here's, here's the hope. Are you ready? We can be stuck in that perception or we can have hope. We can have hope that when students have the opportunity to express and share and explore these doubts, doubt has a positive impact on greater faith maturity. How many of you have ever had a doubt about God? Anybody? Just a few of us. Awesome. I saw this. I don't want anybody to know I've doubted. And how many of you have actually believed that you were supposed to stuff those inside and not voice those out loud? Right? There's no room for doubts in our Christian bubble. No, in fact, what we say is bring your doubts because while talking them out and looking in the truth to see what they say, guess what? We can have hope to change our culture. Two, there's no experience. There's some of us uh, in a generation where we have seen maybe our friends, our family walk out of the church because they've been hurt by the church. But what's happening today is they don't have any experience in the church. I had the privilege of meeting a 10 and a 13 year old this past week and you know, we're in the Bible Belt. You know, we're, we're in our Christian group. Everybody knows God, right? Or have heard of him. Look at all the churches everywhere. 
But no, this 10 and 13-year-old entered the church for the very first time in their lives. I'm like, thank you, God, for opening my eyes to see that there's people still out there that haven't been reached. Kids today have no experience. 13 to 17-year-olds, they're more likely to become stressed than adults. 10% of teenagers confess that they worry a great deal about current and future events. Who am I? What am I? What does the future say for me? And these questions that teenagers are trying to understand, um, they're not coming to the church because they don't think it's relevant to them. They have no experience. So this is our perception that culture is moving against God and the church. We can be stuck there in our perception or we can have hope. We can have hope that culture is not against Christianity. They're just not used to it. And I love what Barna says about um, kids and teens today is that they're a blank slate. They're waiting on us to tell, and not only to tell, but show of who God is. And that leads to number three. We are in need of storytellers. How many of you love a good story? I love, 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 love a good story. So one of my favorite things was um, as a kid in Girl Scouts is I loved it when we did our little nursing home badge. We got a badge. And uh, we got assigned uh, a person, and we would go and visit them week after week after week. And I loved that time because I really got to know them. And I got to hear so much history. Uh, Maybe there was some wisdom in there too, you know, hidden in there. Um, But what I love is that God makes an impact through our stories. So perception, if we don't hear those stories, if we don't know the truth, if they don't have the experience, our perception is that the future is hopeless. Might as well give up because policies are being put into place. Kids don't know who they are, what they are. The future is hopeless. Or we could say, you know what? I have hope that God has called me to do a di- make a difference. We all play a part in the culture shift. And what's getting ready to happen right now is we're going to have some, uh, a family come up and they're each going to get to share a little bit of their story because stories are impactful. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's give a great big hand as they come up on the platform. Good morning, everybody. I have with me what I like to call the tribe of Dunlapites. Um, but what we have here is we have, we have three generations really coming from the same family. We have a son who is in middle school, a mom, and a grandfather who are all plugged into the church, who all uh, are a part of our Grace Covenant family and are really walking through different phases of their life. So um, we thought it would be great to be able to bring them up here and just have a conversation about, you know, what has God been teaching you guys in your different seasons right now? So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But as they do that, we're going to play a little game. I have done a little bit of research on what I think it might have been like for each of these generations to be growing up. So we're going to play a game called What, How, and Arnold. So they're going to introduce who they are, and I'm going to tell you what I think they might have been listening to when they were growing up, how were they listening to that music, and what was Arnold Schwarzenegger doing at the time? (laughs) So starting over here, could you please share your name, how old you are, and something that you enjoy doing uh, in your spare time? I'm Bob Dunlap, and I'm 73, and I love playing golf. I love it. Good morning, Bob. So I picture Bob growing up 
making his way home from the soda shop, and he's driving in the car, and he might hear this song playing. So darling, So he's listening in the car, and I'm thinking maybe he's got an auxiliary cable, maybe he's got a CD player. Oh, no, 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 no. This is before that time, and it is something that I would like to call an eight-track player. <laughs> Two days ago was the first time I actually saw one of these things on the internet. So he's playing that in the car, he makes his way home, and he spots his father's sports page where he realizes in the 1960s there is a young buck who just won his first Mr. Universe competition. And that man is the bodybuilder, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> now today I play, I hang out with the students and they like to play a game where they try to, for some reason, climb on top of me. So they get to the point where they're here and I try to lift them up like this. I'm pretty sure if I did that to Arnold Schwarzenegger in this picture, he would be doing the same thing to me, lifting me clear up in the air. But, Bob, is this a fair, accurate depiction of what you grew up with? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Moving on, could you please share your name, your age, and what do you like to do uh, in your spare time? Uh, my name is Jennifer Bruce. I go by JD, actually. I, I said Jennifer Bruce in the first service, and I was surprised by myself. <laughs> um, anyway, JD, and I'm 45, and I like to run most of the time. I love it. So when JD was growing up, she still liked to run. And when she was running at the time, she was probably listening to this song, which has changed the landscape of any wedding reception you have ever been to. <laughs> Now, you might be asking, how on earth is she running outside while listening to this song? Well, let me tell you about this crazy invention. We call it a Sony Walkman. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> and she's running past the movie theater, and she notices a poster for this brand new action hero movie, not really action hero, more like action monster, starring the former bodybuilder in a new blockbuster hit called The Terminator. <laughs> Is this a fair depiction of what you grew up with? Perfect, moving on. Could you please share your name, how old you are, and something you like to do in your spare time? Uh, my name's Joseph Bruce, um, I'm 12, and I like to play basketball. Thank you. Joe grows up in a time where we like to mix some classic songs with a little bit of a modern twist to make it our own. So he's probably listening to this type of song. Take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Now, one thing's for sure, he's never had to worry about having a music device because the same device he calls his mom, texts his grandpa, is the same thing he's listening to music on all day. He's never had to buy any music because he's on a family plan subscription for a group thing called Spotify. <laughs> if he's not listening to Spotify, he's listening on YouTube, which means he's coming across a preview for a movie 
not starring the governor, because we're past that, but starring this old, old man that he doesn't understand why his dad keeps quoting him and trying to act like he's Austrian, but it is starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in a new Terminator movie, still going strong or halfway strong. I don't know what we call it, but is that a fair depiction of what you're growing up with? Yes. Close enough? Good. All right, so we're going to get into asking you guys some questions, and Joe, I want to start with you. You're in middle school. What is something that you feel like you struggle with at your age that might be different than your mom and your grandpa? Um, well, last year at school, I was um, with the wrong group of friends. So having all the wrong group of friends probably means that you struggle with having different influences in your life. What is something that you feel like God has been teaching you to try to work through that? Um, on Wednesday night series, we did a um, series that was called... Uh, Real friends, and uh, we talked about um, our inner circle and what we friends that we should let us influence us. Yeah, that's good. You must have a really good youth pastor. <laughs> so he learned on Wednesday nights the importance of um, really paying attention to his inner circle of friends, the friends influencing him. Could you tell me what are some characters or characteristics that you look for in friends that are influencing you? Uh, friends that are nice and that listen to you and um, that they have a positive attitude. Good. That's awesome. Um, do you feel like your mom and your grandpa have been a good example to you for what it's like to be a Christian? Uh, yes, um, because... Um, every day when we go to school, my mom says, um, or say what we're grateful for, and after that, um, she prays for us every day at school, when we're going to school, and uh, my grandpa, he, um, when we uh, go to his house sometimes, um, we hear him uh, with his Bible study, and he prays, and we hear him. That's really cool. Thank you, Joe. Can we give him a round of applause? So, J.D., uh, Joe's your only son, correct? Sometimes I wish. <laughs> Just kidding. How many kids do you have? Um, four. Four kids. And only Joe plays sports? That is inaccurate. How many of them play sports? All of them. Oh. All on the same team? Nope. Nope. So, four kids, four different sports players, four different schedules. So what is something, as a parent, that you feel like you struggle with today? This was a super easy one for me to answer, and it's balance. Being able to um, walk a good Christian life, um, making sure I spend enough time with God, with my family, being a good wife, and I could go on and on and on, <laughs> as I'm sure you guys can too. You know, what's, what's interesting, reflecting back in this letter that Paul wrote, again, remember he, he, um, he visited them, and when he came back, he sent a letter. Um, it didn't work. He heard that they were not behaving, so he sent a second letter, which is actually 1 Corinthians. Um, it still didn't work. We actually know from 2 Corinthians that Paul actually uh, made a visit, another visit, a second visit. It's not recorded in Acts. But he, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the time he came back to them again because they just weren't getting it. He'd had a personal visit, two different letters. He'd sent different people, and they just were really struggling. So he went out, and it says that he had a painful meeting, is how he described it. 
a painful visit. And uh, it was a come to Jesus meeting, I guess, where he just said, and laid it on the line. And we know from 2 Corinthians and the content that we've seen there that they finally began to get it because the tone is very different. They finally discovered that the significance in life comes from serving one another, not from being selfish and wanting things your own way. Serving one another is the key. May that always be true for the people of Grace Covenant and Saints Let's pray. Father, this morning we've had a chance to, um, again, just to, to sing and lift our voices and worship. We've had a chance to give. We've had a chance to talk and share and, and laugh at some goofy videos. And uh, Father, again, all of it is because of our love and, and our passion for you and our desire to live out our faith. And Father, even though our faith is incredibly personal, it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always intended to be lived in relationship with other Christ followers. So God, thank you for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Father, thank you for what you're building and developing here and that you've called us to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. Father, if there's anyone here who's feeling a little left out, I pray, God, that an extra dose of grace would be on them this morning. Father, that uh, maybe there's feelings that have been hurt or maybe things didn't set quite right. Father, I pray that you would heal that in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, maybe there's, as we're just sitting here reflecting, maybe, Father, someone comes to mind that maybe we weren't as gracious as we could have been, and maybe we need to go back to them and ask for forgiveness and make sure that that relationship is right. Uh, Father, I pray that you would protect this congregation from those seeds of anger, from those seeds of strife and division, that they would not take root and that they would die quickly. Father, that your Holy Spirit would protect us as a congregation. So, Father, we thank you again for this day. And, Lord, as we leave this place, I ask, Father, that you would uh, continue to go before us and prepare the way. Father, that you give your people favor with uh, the tasks they put their hands to, with the relationships and the people they meet. Father, that each would be blessed this day, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. My struggles now aren't that different than they were when I was young, or even um, the struggles that Jenny talked about. Balance certainly is an important one. But I think always um, our struggle is to stay focused on Christ, to stay focused on our love for him, to, to maintain that certainty that he's walking with us um, and that we can count on him. And when I'm in the Word uh, regularly and when I'm in prayer and when I'm coming to church regularly and uh, fellowshipping with other Christians, that allows me to keep that focus. It allows me to not be pulled to the right or to the left, as Jenny said, not to be uh, distracted on the one hand and on the other hand, not to be deceived by the things of the world. Um, and if I fall away, if I stop doing that for a couple of weeks, and there are times in my life when that's happened, um, you know, I know that I don't feel that closeness to the Lord that I feel when I'm walking with him regularly, when I'm in prayer regularly. That's good. 
it's really important for us to be able to have that that constant connection, not only with God, but but with the church as well. Um, which means to say, you lead one of the men's Bible studies in in Grace, correct? Could, yes. Could you share a little bit about that? Well, yeah, we've uh, I have a group of men. Some of men, uh, quite a few of them, are from Grace, but we also have advertised their Bible study in Trilogy, which is a over 55 community right across the street from East Lincoln High School. And actually, we've had a number of gentlemen in my community that have joined us as well. So we probably have, um, I think, a few more people from church than we do from uh, the community, but we have a representation from both. And we've done a study on Mark, we've done a study on James, and currently we're doing a study on the Truth Project, which speaks to um, the truth claims of God. And uh, it teaches us um, what a worldview looks like from a Christian perspective and, and helps us to compare that worldview to a secular worldview, which takes us in an entirely different direction. And it's particularly helpful in that we also often hear so many things um, that are um, wrong and, and we don't really pay much attention to it, we're just gonna accept it. But if we have our worldview tightly configured around God's desire for us and his truths, then when we hear those things, we recognize them and we realize that they're wrong. I love that. And what I love hearing from all three of you guys is that obviously there are different things you're learning. There's different ways that God's revealing that to you. But it's not just something that you're going through personally. It is something that you are living out, not only with believers at the church, but even in your home lives. And I just think as a, as a student pastor looking into your family and seeing what you guys are doing and seeing the results it's had in JD and even in Joe, I just, I give you guys the, the biggest praise. It's, it's really incredible. So I appreciate you guys being up here. Can we give them one more round of applause? And Pastor Trish is going to come up, but first take a look at this next video. Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. So love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you. And take over their land. Wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north, and from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you, for the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you, as he promised, wherever you go in the whole land. When it comes to changing our culture, we all play a part. So we've heard some stories, we've heard some statistics, what the Israelites were up to. So let's tie it all together. What do we do with this? Um, one, write God's word on our hearts. In chapter 11, verse 18, it says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Now, when I teach kids, we like to get real visual, so I'll say, close your eyes. Now imagine, you're tying the word to your hands. Bibles, I imagine Bibles, just like on the, their hands. And then you have one on your forehead, and you're walking around with three Bibles attached to you like a crazy person. But 
you can open up your eyes if you did close them. Some of you did. I love it. So what happens is we don't have Bibles attached to us like a crazy person. We have God's word eternalized, right? I love that Bob was saying, um, comparing our worldview to our Christian uh, perspective, worldview, but we won't know what is the truth unless we get into our words, right? So it, write God's word on our hearts. Two, share your story. 11.19 says, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Even if you don't have children or you're not around them every day, who, who knows your story? Does anybody know your story? Who can you be sharing your story with? I would pray that God would send you people that have gone through the same things that you've had to and that he would put them in your path so that you can help them along the way. Share your story. There is so much power in that. And you know what the enemy tries to do? He tries to stuff it down in us and say, no one, no one cares about your story. They don't need it. They do. They do. So share your story. Oh, and um, I was asking my husband's uh, family, Don and Becky are their names, and I was asking them, you know what I appreciate about you? I said, I, I appreciate that you've raised five kids, and some of them had some rocky roads in their marriages, but uh, they have just created this culture of marriage, and that it's, it's for the long haul, and the importance and the reverence of it. And I said, so what did you do? And he thought about it, and he stroked his beard, because he has a big, cool beard. And he's stroking his ear and he said, you know, um, I wouldn't really say it's one thing that we said, 38 years of marriage. And then Becky's parents, 52 years of marriage. It's amazing. How many of you are married and you're like, oh my goodness, we're going to make it. In faith, we're going to make it. <laughs> Here's what he said. It wasn't anything that he said. They saw it. They saw it. Did you know that most of our culture is not spoken, but it's what's seen. It's what you're observing. So three, make truth your culture. And four, win back our culture. I love what verses 23 to 25 say, so I'm going to reread them. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you, and you will take their land. Because who's fighting for us? It's not us. That's God. He fights for us. Wherever you set foot, in your minivan, in your home, in the baseball practices, cheering on your kid, when you get a little too rowdy, in the coffee shop, are we pointing fingers? <laughs> in the coffee shop, at work, guess what? Wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. No one will be able to stand against you, not even the enemy, because we have one who fights for us. So we join the generations to say, guess what? It's time for a culture shift, and we're going to make that truth. So in just a moment, we're going to end service a little differently. I'm going to ask that in just a moment, so not yet. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I want us to pray that we would pray, God, Take away the things that would hinder us from you and from unity. Take away our pride, our stubbornness, our arrogance, our rebellion. Take that, that we would put the walls down. And God, give us things that would unify each other.
that we would encourage each other, that we would come to an understanding, like, hey, I need to, I need to understand you so that I'm not so frustrated with you, right? God, give us compassion. God, give us that unconditional love that that family was talking about. So would you please stand with me? And I would like you to grab a hand and raise your voices with me. Don't be shy. And we're going to pray. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. God, that you have made us a multi-generational congregation. And God, you have amazing plans for us. Lord, we ask that you would take away our rebellion, the spirit of rebellion. You must go. That we um, long for community, long for love and unity and all those things. Lord, we pray that stubbornness would melt away. God, give us understanding. Give us love, give us compassion that we would reach out. Lord, we pray that you would put people in our paths that we would be able to pour into. The young to the older and older to the younger. God, give us a congregation. Give us a, a people and a nation that would stand on your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.